<clears throat> in your best Will Smith impression, can you give us a good hearty welcome to Earth? Welcome to Earth. Yeah, that's spot on. Spot on. Thank you. Thank you. you Audience are listening to ID Four Minutes at a Time, the only podcast dedicated to analyzing, scrutinizing, and celebrating the 1996 Roland Emmerich masterpiece Independence Day, four minutes at a time. I am but one of your gallant co-hosts, Kenny Madison, and along with me are my two other co-hosts, Lulu Nagel, Tyler Bryce, and today we have. Uh, let me because I asked her how she wanted to be introduced. Uh, before our podcast, she said that she is the... <sighs> Hold on, Kenny. Do you not normally ask people how they want to be introduced? Did you just ask this guest specifically? Normally, do you just kind of wing it? What What's going on, Kenny? I do actually just wing it. For yeah. some reason, on this, our 21st episode, I bothered to ask the guest how they would want to be introduced. Wow. Okay. And they replied that they are <clears throat> the Wizard of the Twelfth Realm of Ephesus, Master of Light and Shadow, Manipulator of Magical Delights, Devourer of Chaos, Champion of the Great Halls of Terracos. The elves know you as Fiang Yilak, the dwarves know you as Zenin Hukstangis, and you are also known in the Northeast as Gazamunyas Maestar, and there may other be other secret names that you do not know. Okay, I'm just seeing that you actually changed that. Oh. Uh, you instead wanted to be known as a comedian from Austin, Texas. You are the creator and host of Over the Ledge, the number one, and some say only, political satire show based solely on the Texas legislature. Everyone, please put your hands together for Stephanie Chiarello. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for months literally months yes you were indeed one of the first people if not the first person that reached out to for this podcast thank i don't i mean i wasn't preparing a exception uh acceptance speech but i want to say thank you very much for having me you obviously know that i have great taste in movies and actors and a phenomenal uh oratory you know way of talking <laughs> An oratory way of talking. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, speaking of uh, awkward first contact, minutes 80 through 84 start with an awkward first contact. It starts with Dr. Oaken making the first incision to the alien exoskeleton and ends with a serious failure of diplomacy. <laughs> but before we get into the actual clip, though, um, Stephanie, Kenny and I, of course... Old Hat. We love this movie. This is one of those uh, shameless pleasure movies for us. We will watch this movie if it's on. Lulu, of course, does not remember seeing the movie at all. New um, Hat. She's got a new hat on. So she's it's new hat. On a scale of hats uh, between, I guess, red and violet, uh, where, where do you stand on, on the hat scale? Is violet that I love it? Uh, you know, we've never actually used this scale before. Um, it, it is sort of a rainbow scale. Yeah. Um, Roy G. Biv. I'd say... I as we've been using in the podcast, we've been describing it as old and new hats. But this scale operates on a color hat system, which is completely different from the, the older new spectrum. hat. spectrum. Yes. I would say I'm right around Indigo because <sighs> I enjoyed this movie when I saw it. I hadn't thought about it in a while, but I did revisit it in its entirety about two nights ago. <gasps> Really enjoyed it again. So I'm a big fan and I plan to watch it. I'm going to add it to my yearly things that I watch. Oh, 
Excellent. I love a, I love a guest who prepares. Take note of that. All the previous guests. <laughs> Every single one, except the last one. She also watched it beforehand. It, it is available, I think, on HBO Max for free. I would have paid, though, to watch oh, it again. See, that's commitment right there. Willing to but, shell out the bucks. But boy, do they look young. Every single person yeah. in that movie looks so young. And I don't know if now is the time to talk about this. Are y'all Shit's Creek fans? Yes. I had forgotten that, what's his name, who played the fly, that he his name was David. And they kept saying, David, David. And I was like, oh. That was the first ooh, David. Is actually uh, in Independence Day. I hope that's not a spoiler, Lulu. No, I've heard him say. Well, have I heard him say David? Is that is that Jeff Goldblum's name? Yes, in this movie. Yes, yes, and his father. I mean, it really is like the Eugene Levy of. Anyway, that's you're welcome. Yes, well done. Yeah, Harvey Firestein said Jeff Goldblum's character's name, David, a bunch at the beginning, Lulu. Oh. You'll have to listen back to the to the podcast. We only call him Jeff. That's true. If you used a coworker's name that often in a conversation or in conversations, they would think you're constantly in rooms filled with other people. Like you, <laughs> why would you need to say their uh-huh. name as often as he says it? Well, Tyler, as my best friend and former roommate, I think that you offer a very good point. Thank you, Kenny. You know, uh, what is the neuro-linguistic programming that some of our friends have gone through and really enjoy? And part of that is it's influencing people through the use of language and probably nonverbals. But part of it is using someone's name often and strategically. And I feel like maybe Judd Hirsch is... A fan of the neuro-linguistic programming. Maybe that's what he's doing. I think you're right. I also want to add that I work at the Capitol, and you can always tell which lobbyist has gone through that training, because they must say my name five times. Now Stephanie. Now Stephanie. And Uh, after uh, three, I'm like, your bill is dead. Yes. Dead. (laughs) Speaking of, have you noticed that the women are just extra characters in Independence Day, that they have no... Character plot line without being attached to a man. We had a good feminist moment in the last podcast, though, between Vivica A. Fox and Dances with Wolves. Yeah, we got one. It doesn't matter that she's an exotic dancer. She's making her way in life and taking care of people, even though she found out that her love was probably dead. And she drives a big red truck. The stripper with the heart of gold. Right. Right. We, yeah. we we needed that. We needed that. I will say I love the little girl. That's the girl who played um, on Arrested Development. Right. She's Anne. Her. Who? The who? daughter. The president's daughter is Her? the girl who? who plays Anne. She's so adorable. She's in a couple of movies as a little kid. I forget all of them. But man, that girl is cute. <laughs> She's super forgettable when she plays a little girl. <laughs> I think she's also the girl in Hope Floats. She's Sandra Bullock's daughter. Oh, 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 I love her because she chases after her dad. No, remember the scene where she chases after her dad? Come back, come back, take me with you. That is super heartbreaking. Yes, it is. Oh, and Sandra Bullock just has to watch. Oh, Oh. that's awful. Who is who is the romantic man in that movie? Harry Connick Jr. That's right. Everyone's making convergence. Six degrees of separation. And Will Smith was also in the movie Six Degrees of Separation, which means all of this is working together. 
everything leads back to Independence Day, including these predictions that Lulu made from our previous episode, because uh, for folks that are starting with this episode for some reason, welcome, first off. They like Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie fans. My parents watch and listen to everything I do, so your oh, audience has love. just gone up. Yes. <gasps> we love you. Leave us a rating. Leave us a rating. Tweet at us. Facebook us. We're we're on all social media. Stephanie's parents. My my mom will send you a handwritten letter. That's that's the best <gasps> she can do. I'll take it. Lulu, what's your address? Uh, a. Okay. Uh, so Stephanie's parents, uh, what's about to happen is that Lulu made some predictions in the last episode, and we're going to read her predictions of what she thinks is going to happen in the next four minutes. Then we're going to watch the clip and talk about that clip. Is that okay with you, Stephanie's parents? Yes, we would love to do that. It sounds wonderful. Outstanding. Thank you so much. I thought they were going to send us a letter. We got to wait for it to come. And Lulu, if you if you remember any of these predictions, give us a good hearty ding. Okay. Ding. Okay. Great. Your first prediction main in the beginning of last week's episode, spiders are going to crawl out. <laughs> of the alien I mean, ding, ding. How does she know? How does she know? She just knows. Uh, uh, Professor Oaken is about to cut with his thingamajiggy into the brain. I think the alien is going to flinch and say, hey, don't cut me open. Ding. Wow. When they do that, can the aliens send thought signals to the mothership and come attack them in their underground Area 51 place? I wonder. Ding. Vivica, they're going to camp out at El Toro. How are they going to connect to Area 51? Are they going to plant an old ham radio on the ground or some sort of ground communication to contact Will Smith? <laughs> Will you please say ham radio again? <laughs> ham radio. Breaker Breaker 1-9, this is Area 51 over. Uh, speaking of people that might have ham radios the RV friends are still hungry and they're stuck on the elevator looking for the commissary a la Towering Inferno dang gotta make a move here the aliens have to make a move phase 2 will be put into action we'll see some more monuments get destroyed Dr. Oaken should have had his hair tied back or at least a hairnet he should be more professional That that's not a prediction that's just making mm. an observation and finally well Goldblum wakes up from his nap looking luscious and chocolatey <laughs> he's gonna have a he's gonna have a data breakthrough where he figured out the frequency of how the aliens communicate telepathically who get it data breakthrough and yes all the data jokes don't start Tyler Tyler no if I were to do them it would be a whole you know next generation of jokes and uh. I'm just not gonna do it. Oh. oh my goodness do you know how Picard told Wesley his son was, his father had died? I said, I don't know what happened, but it was certainly a crusher. <laughs> I don't even watch this, and that's funny to me. <laughs> Probably because of the way you delivered it. I can't believe Thank I've you. never heard that. That's such a good uh, joke. I dare say I believe we, I made it up with an X. We, it was a joke between us. Outstanding. Uh, anything else that we need to cover about the movie uh, before we actually go watch these four minutes? Did we ask Stephanie's relationship to the movie, like when she first saw it? And oh. and we know you rewatched it, but we don't know when she first saw it. I generally enjoy it very much. I am a Will Smith fan, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I think he does really good work. I forgot how funny Harry Connick Jr. was mm -hmm. in this film. I did. I, I 
so if I saw it in 96, I was fresh out of high school. Uh, I looked at it with a different lens when I watched it about two days ago. And that's all the commentary on feminism and the patriarchy and those those stories. Um, but I loved it. I love this movie. I love this movie. I am a sucker. I mean, uh, there is a moment later. I'm not going to say anything about it, but I cry like I still cry. I still cry. Lulu, take your headphones out. Is she not listening? No, nope. she's not listening. Okay, so you know when Randy Quaid goes in, right? And he's telling his kids, I love, I still cry. I still cry. So I love it. I would, like I said, it passed the, the new feminist Stephanie test, but I do have some commentaries. I realized watching this movie that all the movies we watched told us it was going to be aliens who destroyed the earth. And I couldn't help but watch this movie and think about COVID. Right. It it wasn't these aliens. It was actually us. We're, we're the ones who did it. So I think they lied to us about what the threats would be in the future. Well, because of the Cold War, we had this giant existential threat that the James Bond series is indicative of, hey, we're fighting <laughs> against this existential threat. Right. We went from Nazis uh, to communism and we we fought it in so many of our media outlets. And in the 90s, that fell in it. And it's really interesting to me because the the James Bond movies at that time tried to find a new external existential threat and did an awful job of it. Uh, some of those are some of the worst James Bond movies because they didn't have something big to fight against. That was lead. That's it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, this is during that time period where, again, aliens are the thing that can unite us all. Uh, we they had to create an existential threat that was external because we didn't have something internal. And then along came September 11th and suddenly, hey, we have this giant existential threat that we can fight against. And that became the big bad behind everything that we're doing is terrorism and mm -hmm. the way that we relate to the terror in our own lives of not feeling safe and secure. So this is a really interesting window to me, um, or at least that's yeah. my opinion. And they're gaslighting us now, telling us that it's the undocumented, undocumented immigrants that they're calling aliens are somehow this huge problem when really we have COVID and the recent storm. And I'm just talking about Texas. Again, they're shifting our focus. But I guess a movie about COVID would be so boring if you just watch those lab people, those scientists in a lab kind of, you know, we, we just aliquot, aliquot. I worked in a lab. I promise you this is an exact, an exact replica. Aliquot? Yeah, you gotta, you take your little measurer, I don't remember what it's called, and you, you take your little, you know, your 10 cc's of whatever, and then you put it in all the little holes, and then you put it in the machine, and then you read the data. 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 Yeah. Uh, should we go read some data right now? Yes, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, honey. Poor. It's going to be the first episode of, of ID4 Minutes at a Time where we don't actually watch the clip. We just talk about the things that are external. That's right. It's your show. It's your show. It is our show. <laughs> and on that note, uh, here's the sound cue, and we'll be right back after the sound cue. I'm so excited. least effective exoskeleton ever <laughs> no spiders 
No four, spiders. One oh big spider. I mean, it's it's uh, he was he was popped open. Yeah, he, he was, was popped open. I, and it just it was like a spring loaded hatch that just popped open with all the goop inside. Oh, how, how close to childbirth was that, Lulu? <laughs> I didn't have the vantage point that my husband had, but I'm guessing it was pretty close. <laughs> I've had one one way and one the other way, and they both probably were like that. The C-section maybe more so. Wow. And the baby's coming out going, release me. Release <laughs> me. <laughs> I know. We could do this in peace. No peace. I mean, was that K-N-O-W peace or N-O? Oh, right. No peas. Because <laughs> I don't like green peas. Yeah, maybe they were allergic. Uh, the alien. See? I had this the moment where the little hand, you know, they're like cutting the alien open. Like, he looks dead. <laughs> and the hand is starting to move. And there's a little round silver button, kind of like the one you have on the airplane seat when you want to recline. And, you know, you, you always have a little that. guilt about reclining. And so he, that's how I do it, too. I slowly move my hand over to that little <laughs> silver button. <laughs> that's the moment I had when I was watching that. Lulu, speaking of watching that, tell us what just happened. So uh, Dr. Oaken, without his hairnet and his scalpel, he calls a thingamajig decides it's so funny because other people have hair protection on but he's got his gross stringy old hair hanging all around into i guess they don't care about the hygiene of the well earlier i don't know if you remember he said they don't let us out much (laughs) it's apparent that's true not even i think he was just really going deep on his character there yeah i think he was so he does a really fine cut uh along the it looks like some sort of central uh, corpus callosum of the brain. And it opens up in a great... I can't even describe the how it snaps open. Everyone jumps. They say it's really icky. Apparently it smells bad. And he says he looks dead. But then we see the hand moving. And the one tech, surgical tech with him says, His hand's moving. And that's when that alien goes gangbusters crazy and starts to grab everyone and he he hits a frequency that that hurts oaken so apparently you can target one person at a time as we saw later it really starts to hurt oaken he's grabbing his head and leaving the area where the body was um he i think the german police arrived because i heard the (laughs) (laughs) at some point in that It's almost like a disco in there. And then uh, it pans to the outside. And that's when the president and his military advisors and Rebhorn show up. And they're looking through these cloudy, smoky windows. And Oaken is pinned up against the window by the alien who's speaking through him, saying, release me. And they almost do. They're like, release him. No, 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 don't do that. (laughs) And so then... They start to, uh, they ask the president, well, actually the president asks him, what do you want? Can we coexist peacefully? And the aliens say, no. And he says, what do you want from us? I want you to die. So there's really no room for negotiation there. And then the uh, people with the president say, oh, the alien attacks the president with a high pitched frequency. He starts to grab his head. It's like his, his brains are becoming scrambled eggs. And the 
People with him say, is that glass waterproof? Wait a minute. Is that glass bulletproof? <laughs> is the glass waterproof, though? Yes. Also, is the glass half full or half empty? <laughs> it is not bulletproof, so they all open fire on the alien. Now, this is one of the first clips of this movie that we've watched that actually is one scene, right? Yes. We actually, uh, during this four minutes, don't cut elsewhere. We don't see a lot of other characters. We watch... Dr. Oaken, we watch the alien decimate the room, uh, and then we watch the president have his negotiation with it, I guess, technically in the room next door. But this is all one scene, which I guess means that uh, in a movie that has so many characters and so many quick, quick cuts, it would make it seem like this is kind of an important scene, right? Do we really establish these aliens are here not for a misunderstanding, not to share... <laughs> Not to add to our culture in any sort of way. They just want us to die. Yeah. It's not like when they said, what do you want? Dr. Rokin says, cooperation. (laughs) (laughs) I want to borrow a cup of sugar. Sharing means caring. (laughs) Yes. That's not what they want. They were pretty clear. So, Stephanie. Yes, sir. May I call you Stephanie? Yes, you may. Thank you. Uh, because you're one of the first people that I asked to, join, to to come guest with this, this is the scene you chose. A whole bunch of people have asked to do this scene, but you called it first. Thank you. Now, why, out of all of the scenes that stood out in Independence Day to you, why this scene for you? Because of Star Trek. That's the true answer. I love Data and I love Star Trek. So I remembered uh, Brent Spiner and this particular moment. I actually remember earlier when he's like, they don't let us out much. I'm sorry, what was that? They don't let us out much. Excellent. Wonderful. So what I remember watching this movie originally when I was like, all I see is Data. I can't see him as another actor. But when I watched it again two nights ago, I really believed he was this new character. And so I thought that was good for him because poor guy is so typecast. And I can now I can pretend that really was a, a deeper existential moment for me where you cut the outer layer and a monster still comes out. By the way, how uncomfortable must it be to be in one of those suits? Its little arms and hands were shoved up next to its little face and it had membranes of stuff. That was enclosed in a giant crustacean-like claw that held it in place. I mean, I would have liked a a little more character development for the aliens, and perhaps that can be the next movie. I understand there's Resurgence, which I have not watched. No, don't no, watch no, it. But, no, no, no. Uh, right? How how did they travel in those suits, and were they male or female? We don't know too much about the aliens. But I do remember someone always making a critique about Star Trek and how all the aliens were humanoid, right? Two eyes, arms. And again, this character, this alien, two eyes, the big, the teeth. Why do they always have teeth and eyes? But this one had a whole bunch of arms. In Independence Day, the reason that the aliens look, have the two eyes and whatnot is because the director, or I guess the filmmakers, were drawing on recorded alien sightings anyone that had claimed that they had been Mm -hmm. abducted were like these are 
what the aliens kind of look like to me. They have these, uh, they have got two eyes and they kind of looked like this. And so they were just kind of creating something that looked similar to aliens that we had known in the past. This is why I believe there is life on Mars and the moon. We just haven't been able to identify it because we expect it to look like humans. I want you to also know I went to Roswell and I went to the UFO museum and it was fantastic. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah, worth it. Totally worth it. Was there a spaceship on display there? There was, uh, you know, a replica of, of one and several animated aliens who would do various things. And I was surprised. It looks like it's from 1950s, right? Like they have not updated the panoramas or the, the typeset things. But they do present both sides of the story in, in some cases so i i loved i really loved it like that had been on my bucket list for a very long time to go to roswell i gotta go i gotta go i would i would like to see this short film from the aliens perspective right i've been watching cobra kai and the the story of who was the bad guy right i always believed um that ralph macchio was the nice guy but is he no spoilers so what would the story of the alien be I was just out for out for a fly. We just needed to fill up. We destroyed a couple of cities on our way out the door. We were almost gone. Then they captured me and dragged me through the desert and called me names and then tried to cut my head open. Exactly. They were just defending themselves. I just wanted to get out of there. Release me. I asked the guy in charge with the long gray hair and he wouldn't. I I still don't understand... Because of the, I haven't seen the rest of the movie, but the, the alien is a tiny body alien, like a gremlin inside of a big fleshy alien suit. Yeah, like humans. Like, so I could, <laughs> if I was unhappy with my stature and height, I could get a flesh suit that looks more, it's a bigger human flesh suit that I could zip myself up in and work from inside. Like humans. Tyler, I don't. I don't think you're humaning right. Like Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. But to be fair, he does put the lotion in the basket. I think it's more like putting on that big uh, dinosaur outfit. That's what you could do, Lulu. You put the alien inside the bigger. It doesn't have to be made out of human girl flesh. Again, patriarchy. Um, What is the benefit to this alien of this goopy, stinky flesh that he or she or it puts all over itself uh because much like me it looks like the alien is a sensitive boy uh, so he puts on <laughs> misunderstood a, a tough hard exterior so he could hypothetically withstand bullet shots but apparently also that tough exterior cannot withstand a punch from will smith no right in the right in the face they have the armor he's wearing the armor and he doesn't close the armor when clearly armed people are in the next room over and he's holding one of their friends in his last grasp. I'm saying this particular alien, not very bright. So it's like a cadet alien. Maybe that's what's going on. He's an intern. He was an intern during the invasion and they were like, everyone to your fighters. And he was like, oh, I'm, st- I'm just supposed to get coffee. And the commander alien was like, everyone to your fighters. The alien was like, I, 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 get, I don't really know how to do the fighters, sir. He was like, he was probably the speechwriter alien. 
He was the Rob Lowe. <laughs> yes. The Sills, maybe the Michael J. Fox. The second movie in the series ends up, these aliens work on, I, and it's a bad movie, and it was intended to be a franchise builder. Um, okay. Ends up having uh, a conceit that these are hive creatures that have a queen, and then everybody else is like bees. And so uh, this alien that we're presented with, according to the retcon of the of the second movie, uh, is likely asexual and and designed to do work and not necessarily to, you know, thrive. So thank you. Dumb. I, again, I'm sorry to bring up the other movie. The other movie Ugh, is so just bad. horrendous. It's um, really bad, Lulu. Wait, are we talking about Alien the movie right now? <laughs> We're talking about uh, Resurgence. Resurgence. Um, we, we are not talking about Alien, which is a great movie. Yeah, but the, weren't there? There were three though. There's movies. six Alien movies. Oh hi, okay. I've seen some of them. Uh, we'll watch them sometime, Lulu. You're gonna love it. Four okay. minutes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Was this the same puppet maker who made the Alien and Aliens? I, I was impressed with the alien. Know. You think 96, it's not CGI. Yeah. Right? That, that was a, a puppeteer. And I'm also a big Gremlins, the first movie fan. So I don't know if you know some of the, like, I think there were 27 different Gremlin puppets and some of them were humongous. So when you came in on that really cute gizmo, like winking and stuff, he was this really big puppet. So I was impressed with the alien and that scene, how the alien moved and... Maybe I have a crush on the alien now that I think about it. I do like guys who just really are not helpful. <laughs> I love you. There were no wires and no strings. You couldn't even see Frank Oz under the gurney moving his hands. Right. Nothing. Right. And so even when he gets shot, you can see the like choreography. Oh. I, I'm, I'm actually backwards. The, the alien uh, was designed by production designer Patrick Totopoulos. I, it doesn't look like Stan Winston had anything to do with it. And according to the Independence Day wiki, these aliens are known as harvesters. These ones are? I hope they're not harvesting humans. They're here to harvest our natural resources and get rid of us, right? That's kind of what you find out in the sequel, that they're there to harvest the natural resources. You know, are they here for our fossil fuels? Because they haven't, they should be a little more progressive right <laughs> there's some doodad in the core of the planet they want to get to the core of the planet and oh. it's it's really convoluted we'll watch it sometime lulu you're gonna have a good time okay we'll watch it in the in the rap party <laughs> so we only got to know dr oaken for how many minutes now probably 15 or so and he's already dead he's dead right that's a really great question he doesn't come back from this Okay. You would think that he's dead, wouldn't you? I would think that he's dead. He had an alien hand wrapped around his throat and somebody was speaking for him. So they were in his mind and they'd already scrambled his brain like eggs. Not to mention a whole bunch of guys with guns shoot through him to get to the alien who's on the other side. It's very clear that he's dead. Seems like he's dead. That's my assumption. But now you're making me doubt it. Unless he's wearing an exosuit. That will open up and his little human form will come out of the inside. His little human form has a buzz cut 
Maybe Star Trek Data comes out. No eyebrows. <laughs> and all pale. Do you know that I only recently understood that Data and Lore, like one was about facts and one was about legend. I never put that together that his brother. Who's, who's their other brother? Feelings. Okay. Oh, wow. I never yeah. put that together either, Stephanie. And I'm a massive Trekkie. I put that together, but I'm, I'm a dumb. That's because you're good at whatever the thing is. Thinking. Analysis and crap. Analysis, yeah. Guys, mm-hmm. where's Jeff Goldblum? Uh, great question. David! Still napping. David, he's still napping on the couch. All these actors are so handsome. I forgot mm-hmm. how handsome they were. Mm-hmm. Normally we do the Jeff Goldblum, or the Jeff Con scale. Uh, between Hold five it. and Tyler, one of the hot Tyler, yeah. Tyler, yes. explain it like you're explaining it to Stephanie's mom. So typically, we we have this Jeff Con scale where we where we measure the hotness of Jet, Jeff Goldblum through the course of the movie. And in this in this particular clip, there was no Jeff Goldblum. He's just looming as a presence just outside. Uh, five, of course, uh, not at all interesting. The same way that Defcon uh, five means hey, nothing much going on. DEFCON 1, of course, means uh, all-out nuclear war is, is, is happening right now. So uh, on the JEFCON scale, uh, Jeff Goldblum out of 5 means, hey, it's really not doing it for me. Uh, 1 means as hot as Jeff Goldblum can get. Uh, let's talk uh, Jurassic Park, no shirt, leaning back, saying nice things about people's parents. So, uh, so our question is, um, what would it have taken to get Jeff to a JEFCON one in the scene that he's not in, what what would make that happen? Jeff would need, because he's not in the scene, Jeff would need to be cleaning my house and mowing the yard and doing chores and thinking about how can I make Stephanie's day better? I'm going to make her dinner. I'm going to bring it up to the Capitol for her. And I'm going to do laundry and fold it. That is what would take Jeff Goldman to, to a one for me. Awesome. I think he's pretty good looking, but... And you might have to cut this. I want to let you know that I am. Okay, I'm going to say it a different way. I've noticed that there are men who are not really that attractive who always get cast. Right? And he's one of those men who is just not that attractive. And then we've got these kick-ass women. Right? So think about like Seinfeld and every woman he ever dated on that show. Right? You would never be able to cast a woman who looked like Seinfeld and get her the hot guys. And so... Goldman's pretty hot, but he's 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 never a one. He's never a Brad Pitt. Never. Wow. The uh, the Wait, first who's Goldman. Uh, J- uh, Jeff Goldblum. I'm sorry. I- I'm bad with names. <laughs> well, Get his name right. This is this is the first voice of dissent that we've had on the attractiveness of Goldblum, which is mm. it's wonderful. Thank you. I just no. I like Bill Pullman a lot. Although I've been watching him in Sinner, the Sinner recently. I have no idea what that is. It's, I think it's on Netflix. It's, yeah, he plays this detective. He's got some dark past. And then each season is one case where he thinks there's more to it. But seeing the sinner and this, I'm reminded what a good actor he is. But I think he's much cuter, much cuter than Goldblum. So where is he on the Jeff Con scale for you? Oh, a two, a solid two. Wow. But you're never a one unless you help me out. And that means you do chores and you think about my happiness and your job is to make me happy and then we'll both be happy. I like it. 
Yes, ma'am. Hey, there's a communication theory about attractiveness that says threes goes with threes, fours goes with fours. If you're a 10, you usually find a 10. But there are things that equalize, right? And especially for men, money can get, if you're a man who's a three and you have a lot of money, you can get a 10, lady. And I'm just talking physical attractiveness. Or what was the other thing? Power. Maybe Seinfeld's power comes from his humor. A hundred percent. Yeah. But you're still not seeing it with like A.D. Bryant, who I love. Love A.D. Bryant. She's on Saturday Night Live. Mm. Uh, she actually had a, a TV show I just watched that I really like, but but you're not seeing her with the Brad Pitts, right? We're not we're not switching it up, right? No, and I just no. yeah, he's he he does the best he possibly can. He's still never a one, oh, never. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I love you've him. been gaslit, Lulu. I have you've been I've gaslit, been, but the gas smells so good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It does. It's an additive to make sure that you know that you're spelling it. (laughs) like chocolate. (laughs) So Tyler and Kenny, what do you think about Goldblum and his hotness? I think Jeff Goldblum is uh, innately hot when he's just doing his Jeff Goldblum thing. Uh, I love the cadence of his speech. I love that he looks uh, inquisitive. Um, I like him in general. He's a Jeff Con 4 for me. Um, generally I, 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 I would absolutely, if he were to hit on me at a party, I would say yes. And if he were to be at that party and I had the choice, I would hit on Jeff Gold. I thought five was not and four was like, eh. Oh, you're right. I meant two. Thank you. You're right. Okay. I meant two. Thank you for fixing that for me. I think it's hard for me to say how Goldblum is for me objectively, because so much of Goldblum's appeal for me I think it's just been the meme of Goldblum just being shoved into my head. So it's really hard to separate that. Mm. I I like Goldblum. I I think he genuinely gets better looking with age, which is great. Oh, nice. Mm. So nice for men. Yes. Uh it's it's a it's an awful double standard. I absolutely agree. Well, I have to say, I'm. You can see I'm bad with character names and and actor names, but the the stripper with the heart of gold that he can't marry. I don't know if you noticed that part when Harry Connick was like, "You'll never get into NASA when you're fucking a whore. right there." In the, but did he say it like that? No, he just said, "You'll never get into NASA with uh, her," right? Yeah. And so she in this movie, we think of a stripper as being a you know a lower class citizen, and then of course she does all the hard work. Not only does she save herself and her child by kicking down that door in the subway to get inside of the tunnel, right? And bless that little dog's heart. You got to love that dog getting in there. Um, She gets the truck. She drives the truck. She finds the first lady, right? I mean, she's honorable. She's strong. She's loving and she's hot, right? And then even the first lady, the reason she's there is to show how much she loves the president. It's the same reason with the daughter, how much the daughter loves the president. Same thing with his chief of staff or communications director, Gold Bloom's old lover. When was the last yeah, time? Where is she? Yeah, where's the when's the last time that we saw Connie? On the plane. She was she's been she's been Area 51. She was in she, the hangar. Oh. But when was the last time that she spoke? Well, does she need to let out a press release or have a press conference right now? I'm saying yes. Right, but she picks her career. She picks one man over another man, and Goldblum is upset with her. Remember, towards oh, sorry. Want me to take my earphones out? Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. 
it's not very important, but towards the end, they're talking about their love. And he says, I wasn't enough. Oh, poor guy. Right. You know, a woman can have incredible love and an incredible career. They're not opposites. You don't have to pick and choose. You can come back. Lulu. Which is why they have 32 flavors at their ice cream store. Oh, I, what? you're back. What? what? You're talking about ice cream? Why did I leave for that? Voldemort's ice cream store at the no, end. No, it's no, very no, important. no. What? Oh, we already said it. it. We already blew that out I of the whole. So I, knew I just. It. I knew it. There are no women fighter pilots. You know, it just. This is a man's wet dream, this movie. The beautiful women serving the men. I would encourage us to look as we continue to watch films and TV and pay attention to how the women are allowed to age versus how the men are allowed Mm -hmm. to age. And I want to reiterate that no matter what you look like, what your body size is, how healthy you are, I love you, you can be awesome. At the same time, women have to stay as thin as they were when they were 20 and men can get fatter and fatter and they still get on TV. And I don't like that double standard. You know, okay, we're watching the morning show and we just finished it. And uh, Jennifer Aniston, I think she is a beautiful woman, but she has so much Botox in her top lip that she looks like a who from Whoville Mm -hmm. and it doesn't move ever. And it, it was so distracting for the first four or five episodes. I tried to like, you know, like you... You acclimate to somebody's accent when it's different than your own. After a while, you kind of get the ear for it. I tried to get the eyes for that paralyzed lip and it almost worked, but it's still so distracting. It is. And it's not. I I feel like it's the culture. It's not them. I don't hold anything against her. The fact that Jennifer Aniston, for some reason, we still kind of expect Jennifer Aniston to look the same as she did with friends. And so she feels obligated. I mean, well, or or if she just genuinely wanted to go get get Botox, in which case you want to go fix yourself up for you. Good good call. But also the unfair expectations that you have to get that that are placed upon women in order to maintain that look the fact that connie is a character in this movie but for some reason she's just not in independence day resurgence even though they brought almost everyone else back for some reason that judd hirsch is in that movie still right like what is he adding you know the first bit he just adds color for jeff goldblum at the beginning but then we just don't really need him anymore but we did lose the guy the birdcage guy we did lose Harvey Firestein. He, he was, yes, he was a great comic relief. Oh, also, what just is g- up with that voice? Is it real? It's real. Wow, he has, it hurts. He has me to listen mm-hmm. to. What did we decide he had? Double vo- double vocal cords. He's got some nodules plus some anatomical things going on that give him that voice. Uh, also, uh, before we move on to predictions, because I got to get a number ranking for it. Lulu, uh, where is Jeff Goldblum in this scene for you? He's a zero because I didn't really even miss him until later when I thought, where'd he go? But this scene was so dramatic. So he's a six. So um, it was a six. Sure. Oh, yeah. Zero, I guess. Okay. I was just saying it wasn't existing. Um, Yeah. I just didn't think about him during this scene, watching the scene because it was so, it you know, entrancing. <laughs> so it could not have been improved with the presence of Goldblum. Oh, okay. Well, if he would have been in the room, that would have been better because I can imagine his quirky, um, like when it popped out, him being like all quirky and uh, spastic about his reaction and then making a very dry, sarcastic aside, you know, like, I guess he didn't see that coming or, you know, something silly. 
that would bring comic relief. But I imagine he would go just quietly slink over to the door and press the exit button that would open the door and let him out. He would sneak out of the room while it was all going on. So you think he'd go quietly into the night? Yes. Would he vanish without a fight? Yes. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, he would have added to the scene. But it would have been comic. And this is all drama. Sure. I think. Speaking of adding to the scene, Lou, uh, what do you think the next four minutes will be adding to the tapestry of Independence Day? I.e., what's going to happen in the next four minutes? Well, so I think the alien is at least disabled, if not dead. <laughs> and we don't know. Oaken, I, maybe Oaken will get up in a, from a slime pile and make some eccentric comment about what just happened. Or maybe he'll have no memory of it. The president will be whisked out of the room to be tended to to make sure that he's fine. So the frequency that the alien let out, you know, maybe it did call to the other aliens and they were on their way to incredible monuments in other cities and they all do a U-turn and come back to Area 51. <laughs> I wonder if we'll go out and see anybody from outside of Area 51. Let's say we do. We have to, we have to get Vivica A. Fox and Dances with Wolves in connection with... Will Smith and the gang somehow. Will Smith is still in that building. He didn't get to go down and look at the alien. I guess he doesn't have the clearance. Clarence. So they come back up and report back what happened to him. And he, being the one who dragged the alien here in the first place, feels personally offended and responsible and wants to go down there and just kick some more alien butt. That's what I got. Incredible predictions, Lulu. As per usual, you'll have to tune in for the next episode to see if those predictions come true. Uh, anything else about this four minutes before we call it a beautiful, sweet, gorgeous, luscious episode? I think it's shiny and ripe. What? What is that smell? What? Oh, what is that smell? Remember when they cut him open? They were like, yeah, it smells bad. I was trying to really find a poignant stop there. What is that smell? I don't want to say any spoilers, but what is that smell? Does it matter? What is that smell? That's all of what Independence Day Resurgence deals with. It's just a two and a half hour movie about the smell. (laughs) Can we tackle it with Lysol, Febreze? Do we need to throw some peroxide on it? Uh, Stephanie, where can folks find you and your wonderful viewpoints? Why, they can find me at Over the Ledge. No, D-O-V-E-R-T-H-E-L-E-G-E on all social media platforms and as S Chiarello TX on Instagram. Ledge being legislature. Exactly. That's, that's my passion project is Over the Ledge, which is a Saturday Night Live meets Solid Gold meets <laughs> Stephen Colbert show about the Texas legislature. Hey, Stephanie, as the state of Texas as is uh, has just faced a couple of really big crises and as things are uh, kind of difficult here, any advice for Texans that are uh, listening right now on how to get involved and kind of change this system that I, uh, you know, and, you know, how to best get 
uh, out of this trap that we seem to be uh, in right now where that we're not being represented especially well? Yes, I would tell them do more than nothing. I know that people get overwhelmed with what is the right thing to do. And what I say is if you do more than nothing, you are already winning. I encourage people to focus on their local level politics. And by that, I mean state level, governor down. Lots of people can tell you Ted Cruz's name. They cannot tell you our lieutenant governor's name, which is Dan Patrick. And your representative and your senator here in the Texas legislature is actually remarkably accessible to you as a constituent. And I encourage you to call and write them, share your opinion and continue organizing your friends and family, because the only way we can really take back power is to vote in our own best interest. Vote in your own best interest for sake. If I could counter, Mm -hmm. Stephanie. Yes, sir. My bed is so warm. It must be nice, white man. Oh, believe me, Ooh. it's very nice. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. so My favorite good. thing is the white man is like, you know, I choose not to participate in voting right now. It's a choice. I'm allowed to make this choice. I mean, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Uh, uh, Tyler, can people see you do gag somewhere? Uh, hey, go check out ComedySportsAustin.com. Uh, shows 730 on Saturdays. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm in them sometimes and uh, they're all Zoom. They're all free. They're fun. How about you, Kenny? Are you in anything people might be able to track down? Yes, indeed. You can hear me on one of my uh, uh, other podcasts, including. Uh, g- wow, I'm completely forgetting. Shame, yeah, so Shame Watch. Shame Watch. Watch. A podcast about guilty pleasure movies where ID Four Minutes at a Time was born out of. Uh, and also Lasso Cast, uh, where we're covering each episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, an episode at a time right now we're currently in our off season and we're getting some very exciting interviews from folks so keep listening even whenever you finished our our watch through of the first season we've got i'm so excited uh it's it's genuinely exciting uh and then lulu uh join me on my new podcast the chat show sorry (laughs) what (laughs) the chat show Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, it. Please, if you liked this episode, well, I guess I'll just make this plea to Stephanie's mom. Stephanie's mom, if you liked this episode, shoot, even if you didn't like this episode, go rate, review, and subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found and leave us a review. Uh, great folks like you, Stephanie's mom, help us put on great podcasts like this one and if you spread word of mouth, we'll bring your daughter on again. Hey, <gasps> that's hey, that's we'll, perfect. We'll do it, but we can only do it if you leave a review, Stephanie's mom. Well, she'll probably send you a gold star, like literally a sticker, but I will work with her on how to get online and review. Please do. Uh, and I believe that's it for this week's episode of ID4 Minutes at a Time. And of course, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. <laughs>